We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. This is a house <laughs> of learning doctors. Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to The Uncontested. What is up, Thunder fans? Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast. Uh, I am your host for tonight, Taylor Peterson. I'm also uh, going solo tonight for the first time probably since last season doing post-game podcasts. Um, so here we are. This is actually uh, my second time going live. I apologize for those of you that just tuned in. Uh, it might help if I took my mic off mute. <laughs> so as you can see, uh, not only is the NBA an off-season form, but apparently so is the uncontested. Um, but once again, I appreciate you all tuning in. We are a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Um and like I said, here we are. So uh, all my co-hosts, um, Justin's sick. Uh, his his kids started back to school. It's that time of the year again. He caught a little bug um, and is feeling under the weather. Kami Art and Jacob, speaking of starting back up to school, both of them are teachers and are just absolutely swamped right now, not only with, with school, but uh, extracurricular activ- activities that go along with school as well. Um, and then Nick, I think he might be traveling. So uh, you all are stuck with me tonight, um, but I have a lot of fun things planned. There actually is some some things that we can talk about, and I'm actually going to be bringing back um, bringing back a segment that we've used in the past. I actually think we we've done it in the past uh, uh, past off seasons, which is is kind of a fun exercise to revisit. So we're going to jump into it. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. Um, for those of you tuning in live, and for those of you listening on the podcast, obviously we greatly appreciate all of you. Um, but for those of you that are tuning in live, please be uh, super in, uh, super active in the in the chat section here. Uh, I'll get to as many of your guys' questions as, and gals' questions as I can. Um, I'll read your comments live. Uh, we'll, we'll make this a little more interactive since it's just one of us, um, and, and we'll have a lot of fun. I appreciate all of you tuning in, especially here as I'm, I'm going a little late tonight as well myself. So, um, But I hope you guys are excited for this time of the year. We're, we're kind of finally uh, starting to get out of what I like to call the dog days of summer. No offense to you, baseball, MLB fans. Um, oh, Matt Clarkson said, I hope Justin doesn't have the Rona. I do not think he has Rona. Uh, he didn't tell us he went and got tested, but it very much seems like uh, 
very much seems like just kind of the, the back to school cold, as I always called it, as me and my siblings always called it. <laughs> uh, but I do appreciate that comment, uh, checking in on them. Um, but like I said, we're kind of getting out of the getting out of the dog days of summer, right? We have football starting up officially really this weekend, although I guess you could call week zero this past weekend, uh, the official start. We have college football starting up. Um, my Tulsa Hurricanes play tomorrow night, Thursday. Um, when some of you are listening to this, it'll probably be game day. Um, I'm excited about that. Obviously, uh, our OU Sooners and OSU Cowboys. Uh, I think the Cowboys are playing Saturday as well. Um, so OU Tulane actually in Norman now, based you know due to the hurricane. Um, very cool what OU is doing there for them. And then I'm getting really excited about the NFL season as well. Uh, as a lot of you longtime listeners know, I'm a big Chiefs fan. Um, but not only that, we have like fancy football drafts coming up. So like tonight, I was trying to actually think of something that like I keep trying to tie um, tie like Thunder themes back to like fancy football or football themes. And unfortunately, I just don't think it would appeal to enough of the listener base. Like there has to be enough crossover there um, to where a lot of Thunder fans and basketball fans um, would understand some of those comparisons or references or whatever it may be. So I can't really do like a fantasy football comparison where like a Christian McCaffrey to a thunder player would be Shea Gilles Alexander and like a sleeper in the draft, like a Higgins um, at tight end would be like a uh, Darius Baisley this season for the thunder. Some of you aren't going to understand that. So I scratched it. No worries. But like I said, I do have a fun segment for us tonight. Um, shout out Jacob, uh, another one of our co-hosts, Jake Niven. Uh, he helped me out a little bit here and had this idea. And I thought it was a, a a pretty fun one. Like I said, we've done like different iterations of this over the past couple of off seasons. Um, and, you know, like a lot of the excitement in the NBA, especially for casual fans, um, a lot of it kind of revolves around the trades and player movement in the NBA, if we're being completely honest. It's not always about um, the product on the floor. Now it is for some of us diehards, right? Um, it is for a lot of you listening on the podcast, but the stuff that gains the most, gen- the kind of generates the most hype and excitement um, and social media buzz, like it's it's trades um, and it's free agency. Um, now, obviously we're past the free agency phase, although free agency is still open. Players can still sign with teams, but for the most part, the dust has settled there. Um, but there have been some rumors. Uh, we're actually going to talk about some of those rumors. The most recent being Ben Simmons uh, officially re- requesting out of Philadelphia. We'll get into that here later on in the podcast. Um, but again, as we're kind of getting out of these dog days of the NBA offseason, uh, we're getting into training camp. This is typically a time where you'll, you'll kind of see the last wave of trades maybe trickle in, right? Um you know, you kind of have that happening um, right before and during the draft. You have that um, leading into free agency, and then it kind of dies down like it has been. And it, sometimes it'll pick up. You'll you'll get a couple trades that come in before the season starts or even before training camp starts as teams want to get some of these players. Um, for example, just using the most recent example, maybe a team does want to get Ben Simmons into their, their training camp and have their roster set before a training camp starts. So, um Anyways, I thought it'd be kind of a fun idea to bring this segment back. We are going to rank the Thunder players based off of their trade value. I am not saying the Thunder should make, necessarily saying the Thunder should make any moves before the season. Um, You know, I'm also not just ranking them based off of skills. Uh, Just kind of a a couple disclaimers here. We're ranking, when, when we do this exercise, we rank, we like to rank the Thunder players based off how we think other teams, GMs, front offices, scouts, et cetera currently view these Thunder players heading into the season. And it's fun to revisit maybe midway through the season, maybe at the end of the season, maybe just again at this time next year, right? It's really fun to kind of do this exercise again. 
Um, and just because we rank a player over another player in trade value, it does not mean that we're saying that that player is better than like, for example, if I, I'm just using a, like a, we'll, we'll use an example from a couple seasons ago. So let's go back to two seasons ago. Um, Shea hasn't made the leaps that we've seen, right? We have Shea and we have Chris Paul in a vacuum. Chris Paul is a better player, but we probably would rank Shea above Chris Paul in trade value um, because of contract situation um, and youth and upside. Shea would rank higher than Chris Paul. So just because we rank a player higher in these rankings doesn't necessarily mean we're saying that player is a better player. We just think other teams, front offices, view that player as more valuable when it comes to um, trade value. Um, and then feel free to, like I said, feel free to chime in, in the comments and in the chat. Um, I'm going to try and read you know, all of yours, your comments and uh, any questions you'll have as we go along. And then towards the end of this podcast, I'll, I'll actually go through and answer any remaining questions as well. So uh, keep sending those in. We appreciate all of your guys' interaction. Always a ton of fun. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive into it. Um, so I have tiers, but I did still go ahead and rank each player at this point um, using, <laughs> I think it's Fanspo or whatever, basically the old trade NBA website. They typically do a really good job of keeping those rosters up to date. So excuse me. So that's where I usually go. Um, and that's what I use for tonight's exercise. So I do have tiers, but I did go ahead and rank the Thunder players 1 through 17, including the two-way players, right? Because if I remember correctly, those players can be traded as well, but also just kind of fun to throw them in here. So this like first tier that I have, I'm calling it the trade throw-ins uh, and players with little value, like no offense, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to dive deep into these players. We're going to kind of group them together. Um, number 17, I think it's kind of obvious, Charlie Brown Jr., Nothing against Charlie Brown Jr. Um, I'm glad he got a shot with the Thunder. I'm glad he got to play with their G League or their summer league team. Uh, but I would not be surprised, and we've talked a little bit about this, but I would not be surprised if he is waived even heading into the season. He'll he'll go through training camp with the team. Um, and maybe he does go ahead and make the final roster, and they'll keep him on there until they need that roster spot or press he says he wants that spot open. But even if it's not during the uh, during the preseason, I could see a situation where Charlie Brown's waived. And so because of that, and, and again, just not a lot of upside, um, he didn't show us a lot in, in the time that he did get there towards the end of the season. And even in summer league, um, all that taking into consideration, I have him at 17. Now 16 is Josh Hall. And Josh Hall is an interesting player. Um, I remember when they, they signed him um, right after the draft, I believe, to that two-way, uh, I guess, yeah two drafts ago now, um, Nick co-host, Nick crane and I did a little deep diving and we actually knew a little bit of Josh Hall just because of like, you know, his grassroots program. Um, and he was very enticing, right? He, he didn't go to school, uh, kind of like Baisley or sorry, he didn't go to college just like Baisley, a very young, um, played basically like a, I don't know if I should call it an additional season, but, um, played for a prep school, um, and then was able, it was old enough and eligible to enter the NBA draft. And that's when the Thunder took a flyer on him. He shows flashes, um, a lot of athleticism. <laughs> he, he almost in a way kind of fits the old Presti mold that we've been talking about the long, um, athletic, uh, versus or not, not so much versatility, uh, kind of players that you hope that you can teach to shoot. We'll see what happens. Just throw them out there and, and, and let them use their athleticism. That's kind of what Josh Hall reminds me of. Um, because we've seen instances of that. Like, for example, I, I think the the most recent one that comes to mind is in Summer League. He had like a couple of just ridiculous monster dunks, right? 
but still struggles with his pull-ups, still struggles with his, his shot from outside. Not a great ball handler, but he does have great size. Um, so because of that, I give him the nod over Charlie Brown Jr. But again, like not very much trade value. Again, the Thunder just brought him back on a two-way, didn't even give him a full roster spot. Um, 15, going Aaron, Aaron Wiggins here. Yes, we haven't seen much of him, uh, but what we have seen, he shows a little more promise. He he looked a little more NBA ready than these other two players I've already mentioned. Um, and like we talked about, a lot of that has to do with his two-way versatility. Uh, we saw him in control of the of, a, of his offensive game, um, really good body control driving to the rim. He even showed a little promise shooting from outside um, and, and even with a little bit of a pull-up. And I think his defense um, was impressive as well. Still needs some work. Um, but he has a tangible to be a solid defender as well. So when you're looking at like an Aaron Wiggins, you're thinking of a potential rotational piece for a NBA team, uh, at least right now uh, and <laughs> this early in his career. So because of that, again, I have him at 15. Now, 14, this is kind of an interesting one. Um, I might spend more time on the recent news of this player rather than um, the player himself. But uh, Gabriel Deck um, from, Argent or from Argentina um, played with Barcelona overseas, I believe. Um, there was rumors this, this off season that he might go back to Barcelona and play with that. Or sorry, he, I think he's from uh, Real Madrid, um, basketball club, <laughs> they call it there. And then he was going to go this off season to play with Barcelona. And uh, for whatever reason, it didn't work out or that, I guess there's more rumors that kind of came out that maybe he wanted to stay in the NBA, yada, 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 whatever today happens. Uh, today is September 1st when I'm recording this podcast and now his contract is partially guaranteed. A little confusing there. It'll officially be um, guaranteed fully. I think it's like January 7th or January 10th, uh, 2022. If the Thunder were to keep him at that point, his contract would be full, fully guaranteed. I was actually listening to another uh, Thunder podcast earlier today, uh, the OKC Dream Team, and I believe John Hamm made the comment that if that were to happen in January, uh, Deck would have or would be the fourth highest played. <laughs> paid player on this uh, Thunder Squad. thought that was kind of interesting and a fun fact. But again, only partially guaranteed right now. Another player just kind of to keep an eye on um, to either be potentially traded <laughs> as we're doing this exercise or um, maybe even waived since he is only partially guaranteed. But since the Thunder did not waive him prior to this deadline, I do kind of expect him to be on this roster now heading into training camp and, and, to, and to start the regular season. Um, but just... I don't know, the whole deck situation, uh, Nate Sanders said this. He said the deck situation makes no sense. His game is so weird, too. I agree with that. He did have a great showing for his his home country, Argentina, um, in the Olympics. I say great. He had a solid showing. Um, another player who has a lot of length um, can guard multiple positions, uh, although he is a little slow, not super athletic, <laughs> and doesn't have a great shot. It, it's interesting, but um, there could be a team, like, for example, we, we've – I don't know if I should should say we've heard about the Chicago Bulls. There's, there was like speculation on Twitter that maybe a team like Chicago would be willing to take a flyer on him. Anyways, all of that to say, I have him ranked above the others. One, because he's older, more mature, and has more experience. He has experience playing uh, professional basketball overseas. And two, uh, just like I said, I, I think he's a little more promising of a prospect than some of these other players, although Aaron Wiggins probably of all these players has the uh, highest ceiling right now. So that's kind of the lowest tier I have. Um, the next tier I have, and I, I, I'm just kind of describing this tier as they're probably still a throwing in a trade, but they're enticing to other teams. 
So just kind of a perfect example of this. I think of Moses Brown, right, this offseason in the Kimball Walker trade. Um, he was thrown in uh, as a as a thrown in, as a throw in, excuse me, without Horford. Um, but he was enticing. He he showed some promise this past season, although, you know, we've talked a lot about this on this podcast. That might have been a little overblown. However, still a promising young prospect, um, held some value. And so the Celtics probably wanted, for example, Moses Brown over like a Gabriel debt. So that is why, um, or th that's kind of what this tier is for me. So at 13, I actually have Isaiah Roby. And I think there's a world, especially after this season, where maybe I have him too low here. But with all things considered, I mean, for example, yes, and go back and listen to our podcast we did um, on Sunday when we were going through some of these Thunder players. Actually, I actually don't even know if we covered Roby in that one. <laughs> Jacob and I talked about this, but we uh, last Wednesday, a week ago from today, uh, we were using the Spotify Green Room app still to record. And, uh, you know, Spotify, they're, they're great. They were great to us, but they lost that recording. Uh, and Roby was one of those players uh, we did break down and talk about there. When you're looking at his his averages, just from the, let's just take this past season to consideration. Um, seven attempts per game, right? Because he had a bigger role there in the second half of the season. We, we've talked a lot about that. 48% from the floor, which isn't terrible necessarily, but only 1.8 attempts from three, 29% from three. Uh, looking at his rebounds, 5.6, which is fine, but given the amount of playing time he had, maybe not great. 8.7 points per game. Like all that being said, Roby's one of those players that I think showed more than we maybe thought, but still, I'm not sure I can rank him much higher than that. I, I still have him here at this this number 13. Um, number 12, I'm going ahead and, and putting a Thunder rookie here. Uh, our, 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 I guess I already talked about Aaron Wiggins, but Robinson Earl. Um, for now, I have him number 12. And again, I don't have necessarily stats to back that up this time. <laughs> I don't think it's really fair to go back to the stats in, in college and Villanova and, and read those off. But what we saw in summer league, like I said, like, you know, obviously there's a huge disclaimer. Everybody always throws out there that, you know, summer league is this summer league is that you can't take this from, uh, you know, you, you can't take too much from summer league. And that is true. I'm, I'm not mocking that necessarily, but there are tangibles and things I think that you can take away with certain players um, that, that will, that you can tell will translate the next level. And Robinson Earl has a lot of those. Uh, I say tangibles, maybe it's the intangibles with Robinson Earl that really stick out. Um, you know, here on the podcast, we talked a lot about him being a, a fundamental player. And I think um, he, a lot of those fundamentals and his size and strength are going to translate the next level. Um, the fact that he's going to probably be able to do that as a rookie, I think is really impressive. And given all that, you know, we, we even saw him hitting some shots from outside in summer league, uh, working on a stroke that looked nice. Um, he was battling with bigs. Uh, he, he was able to, the, I think the most impressive thing that surprised me the most was he was able to, uh, to switch and, and guard smaller, quicker guards on the perimeter. Um, so just the, the flashes I saw there in summer league, I think gave me the reason uh, to think that Robson Earl may have a higher ceiling and more potential in this league long-term than a player like Isaiah Roby. So because of that, Robinson Earl, I have at number 12. So I only had two players in that tier. Moving on to the next tier, uh, this is a tier I'm calling the solid vet contributors and young players with like unknown but enticing ceilings, right? Like this is uh, this is the solid vets that could come in and give you some solid minutes off the bench, maybe even the playoffs, but particularly the re regular season. And then also young players who maybe haven't shown a ton, um, their ceiling's still unknown and, and players are sorry, teams may be willing to take a, a swing on, on those kind of players. 
And so that's kind of what I'm starting off with here. I already talked about or just got done talking about one Thunder rookie and JRE. Now I want to talk about Trey Mann. I have him at number 11. And the reason for that, you know, like I'm listening to guys like Sam Vecini, for example, on The Athletic. And um, and, and he, I think, was talking with Andrew Schlecht. It might have been the podcast that Andrew was on. Um, and they were talking, or I, I guess, um, gosh, that's what, uh, Vecini was talking about how Trey Mann was one of the most confusing picks of the draft for him. Um, and I get that, you know, like there was a lot of people that had Trey Mann um, ranked a lot lower than he went. Again, the huge disclaimer as well that you can't <laughs> take mock draft necessarily verbatim. Um, but Trey Mann's interesting because he he's tall. He, he has some length, but he's not very strong. Um, he's a microwave scorer. I think is kind of what he projects to be. Um, he has a great stroke from outside, although he did really struggle to get that going in summer league, but with only two games again, with it being summer league, um, I'm not going to take a ton from that because I did like that. He was able to, especially against some NBA level talent that was actually playing out there. He was able to get to a spot still. I think that's important. Um, he showed a floater that was really nice. Um, and he did actually look for, for his teammates. He, he made some correct reads, even if he wasn't able to necessarily get the ball there. Um, but there are a lot of unknowns there, right? Like his, he's not a player that's going to be able to guard like one through three or one through four um, with this Thunder team, even with the positionless basketball in the style that they're trying to, to play. Like I, I don't see them being able to play Trey Mann at the three, right? He He's a one or a two and basically a two. Cause he's not even uh, as great of a ball handler. As some of some of the true ones and, and point guards on this team. So, and then I talked about his defense as well. Like I just, I don't really trust him guarding much bigger players than him. So that is why I have him at 11, but the upside there again, like he could be a, um, just a, a great microwave score. Um, his ceiling in the league, like at least for me right now, way too early season ceiling. But if I had to, had to project like a, an ultimate ceiling for him, it's kind of like a six man spark plug off the bench kind of guy. Um, a guy that can come off the bench and give you 20 in a given night. Uh, at his peak, potentially again, this is, it's all way too early to start making these predictions. Um, but I do like Trey man. Now a similar player. And some of you guys are saying this in the chat, uh, the wash man is, is like, Oh, sorry. is like Teo, um, in a regular player, but uh, sorry, I thought you meant Ty Jerome. That's, that's a player I have here at number 10. Um, Ty Jerome's fascinating to me. And the reason I, I maybe don't have him above like a Teo or, you know, some of these other players, um, and, and we talked, we did talk about this on Sunday's podcast uh, that we recorded or, or Monday's podcast, I guess, uh, Jacob, Justin, and I, um, Justin and I both had Teo over Ty Jerome, but Jacob's very high on Ty and made some pretty intriguing arguments for Ty, uh, to be ranked here in, in terms of trade value over a player like Teo, just because he does possess that, that scoring ability, um, especially the, that, that you really want from guards, I think in this day in, in the NBA, um, and he's also a big dude. Like we were talking about that as well. He's like, I think Jacob's at like 190 something pounds and I don't have his height right here, but he's a big guard. Um, he is a player. <laughs> I mentioned this with Trey, but you know, playing this style of basketball, the Thunder are playing, there are second unit lineups or whatever you want to call them, third unit lineups, whatever, but bench lineups where you could potentially play Ty at a wing like position, um, and, and be okay with it on both sides of the floor. 
Um, again, like his scoring, his outside shooting is his biggest thing. But we did see uh, starting there in the G League bubble this past season. And then when he came back with the team, that translated to the next level and being able to get to the rim using his his size and strength. Not super quick, not necessarily explosive, um, but a, a little bit crafty um, and and very strong being able to drive to the rim. The next step for him is going to be, to, to be, especially as a potential point guard, backup point guard, is going to be to create for others. But as of right now with this team, and even long-term, I see him more of as like a, a shooting guard off the bench, um, a guy who can handle the ball and, and can run your offense if needed and, and give you another ball handler on the floor at the same time. But I don't see him being a lead facilitator, which I think is a good thing for Ty, right? Because especially like on this team, for example, with all these guards, that's how Ty is going to get playing time. Um, so all that being said, uh, again, I could go back to his stats, but he, he, he's been, and that's maybe the last point I should make. He's been injured so much early in his career, uh, with Phoenix. We saw it last season. He tweaked his ankle. We just haven't gotten to see it for a full season. So because of that, I can't put him over, for example, a player like my number nine, let's go ahead and transition here. Teo Maladon, um, Teo. And we talked a lot about him on Sunday as well. And even last week on the, the lost recording from green room. Um, but Teo is a player with a very high ceiling or sorry, excuse me, a very high floor, um, and a potentially not so high ceiling. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like we talked about this. Teo is one of those players that can stick in the league and probably will stick in the league for a very long time, just because he is so fundamental. Um, he's in control of the game. Um, he, he, he runs at it or he plays at his own pace. He's able to control the pace of the game. He does create for others. He makes the right reads and he can hit the outside shot. He can drive the rim some, but he doesn't do one thing just exceptional. And that athleticism isn't necessarily exceptional either. But with all that being said, he's just such a sound player. Um, he is the kind of player, you know, I mentioned these other two, Ty and Trey. Teo is a player you want coming in in your second unit and leading that offense. And so because of that, uh, and just his, his high basketball IQ as well. I had Teo ranked at number nine. Um, and I think the Thunder really value him as well. Like, for example, we saw him play um, in the summer league and, and they kind of let him take the reins, right? Not only that, uh, but I think the, the and I, I kind of brought this up when, uh, as a kind of argument to, to Jacob, when we were talking when, last Wednesday and Sunday, uh, kind of debating between Ty and Teo, you know, Teo played more minutes than, uh, or played the most minutes on the team this past season. Um, so I think the Thunder do value him maybe a little more. Now I could be eating my words here like six months from now and maybe Ty is getting more burned than Teo, but I don't think that'll necessarily be the case. He absolutely seemed to him being Teo absolutely seems like a Mark Dignall, Sam Presley kind of player and a kind of player that they want um, around some of these new young stars. Well, Shea, obviously maybe Poku, if he can turn into that, maybe Dort, if he continues to improve. And then obviously Hopefully a, a young star they they draft in the upcoming drafts. Tao's one of those young, smart, blue kind of players that they want, I think, um, on this team when they do get those stars. So because of all of that, I have Tao at nine. Next, this one might be my, my first maybe con controversial one. I think there's a lot of Thunder fans who would probably put maybe even the past three players above this player. And there's other Thunder fans, I think, that might put this player a, a little higher. Uh, my number eight is Kendrick Williams, Kenny Hustle himself. Again, um, a player who got a lot of burn last season. Um, for example, like we were talking, I think on Sunday about his career high, like <laughs> that he had with OKC this past season. We don't see that happening again. Um, he shot 53% uh, from the floor, which is 
pretty great. Uh, I should be probably reading off his field goal efficiency. 59.6% field goal efficiency on 6.2 field goal attempts, which was fantastic. Um, shot 44% from three on only about two, two three attempts per game, but still um, pretty solid stats. Obviously, we know Kendrick Williams, everybody, all the Thunder fans, we kind of talked about him being potentially a um, – not potentially, um, but but almost like a, a cut from the same mold as a um, Nick Collison type player, right? Like he's not he's not Nick Collison. I'm not saying he is or that he will be, but just the kind of guy who's diving on the floor, making the right reads. We saw some incredible backdoor cuts from him. Um, a high IQ basketball player who's willing to do the dirty work, doesn't need to have the ball in his hands to be impactful, and played some really solid defense for that team. Um, now, it also helps that he made it through a trade deadline where we heard rumors already, uh, or sorry, we, we, we've already heard rumors about a player like Kenrich compared to some of these rookies coming in this season, um, that there were teams interested in him <laughs> into the deadline, and Kenrich apparently loves it in OKC, and at least for this season or this past season, the Thunder wanted to keep him on the team because they think very highly of him and love his locker room presence uh, both on and off the court. So because of all of that, I have Kenrich Williams at eight. Now, seven. I have uh, what may be like the like Mr. Thunder 2.0 almost at this point. We'll see how long he sticks. Uh, maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but uh, crying in his his exit interviews about how much he loves OKC and how much it meant to him to not be traded at the deadline. Speaking of a player who wasn't traded at the deadline but had uh, teams interested in him, um, just a knockdown three-point shooter, stretch big um, in Mike Muscala. That is my seventh ranked player here. Um, like I said, just based off trade value in these rankings, Mike Muscala is a kind of big, um, you know, he, he also showed on the defensive end this past season, I think might've been one of the biggest things that surprised us the most. We knew that he could hit outside shots. We knew that he could space the floor, but he showed that he was able to bang with some of the bigs down low, um, even being a smaller quote unquote big. Right. And uh, I think that was really important. We saw him block some shots um, and, and and read the floor really well on the defensive end. Uh, great and help defense, good, solid and help defense. Um, the rebounding always is going to be a thing with Muscala, but if that's the one weakness there, I think that's okay. Muscala is the kind of player that I think a lot of playoff contenders uh, potentially could want to bring in who need a big like that or need a player who can stretch the floor. Um, I, I think we're going to see some of those like contenders, like, you know, like a Milwaukee Bucks or the Brooklyn, eh, Brooklyn Nets is a bad example because they kind of have some of those guys already, but, um, and, and the Lakers kind of, but like maybe like a Clippers team, like those are the kind of uh, teams I think come the trade deadline, um, the second half of the season that could be looking for a Mike Muscala to fill off their bench and their rotation, um, to end the second half of the season as they kind of rest some players and get some players back to health. And also that, you know, Mike Muscala could potentially see a, a player like Mike Muscala, could potentially see playoff minutes with that, uh, with a team like that. So, all that being said, I think Mike Muscala has higher trade value than some of these other guys currently. Although that could be a little debatable there, um, I think with Teo and Ty. And so we might, uh, like I said, with some of these, we, we might revisit them, especially come like our preseason podcast or preseason preview podcast podcast that we do with our annual bets. Um, some of these we could probably put into bet form and, and have fun with that and, and kind of go back and forth a little bit. So. Um, Two more tiers and only six players left. I'll, I'll try and go through these a little quicker and then we'll we'll get into some Ben Simmons trades. Um, take your guys' chat questions and get out of here. But my next tier is playoff rotation players and young players with promising ceilings and at least very high floors, right? Like these are the young guys on the team that I think um, are already a peg up of some of these other young guys. 
um, have higher ceilings. And like I said, already have fairly high floors. Um, and then, like I mentioned, I mean, the obvious one is playoff rotation players. Um, so my number six, again, maybe another controversial pick. I know a lot, a lot of Thunder fans, especially after this past season, aren't necessarily super high on this player. But Darius Baisley, um, I think we have to take into consideration last season. I don't, I don't think I'm going, going to even and you can look up stats if you want. They obviously aren't necessarily great. Um, but what we saw last season was basically given an expanded role, and that was on purpose to kind of see what, what uh, I, I, I guess, player development is what Presti's been calling it, kind of experimenting and seeing what they have in a player like Darius Baisley. Um, they let him handle the ball more than they typically would. For example, like the, the season before, where Baisley kind of fit into that, that perfect role <laughs> um, for that team. Uh, they they gave Baisley a much expanded role because they wanted to experiment and kind of put him out of his comfort zone. You know, in a sense, it was kind of like a a summer league on steroids for him and, and just trying to, to get him uncomfortable and expand his game and see what they had there. Um, it didn't always look great. In fact, there's a lot of times where it didn't necessarily look great. But I think what we've seen with Baisley is he possesses a lot of untapped potential still. Um, we've seen him in the gym continue to work on his body. He has a, a great, great frame um to, to build on and i think he's gotten bigger and stronger this offseason i expect to see him take a leap in that regard um great shot blocker <clears throat> uh, still needs to improve some on the defensive end especially with other bigs and um guarding you know smaller guards on the perimeter now on the offensive end obviously expanding his range um he's not afraid to take the three-point shot <laughs> to say the least he has a pretty decent shot and in, in shooting motion uh, but he needs to hone that in and become better uh, better from outside but also i think a, a pull-up game would be critical for him and we've seen him being able to finish uh, around the rim when he's continuing to put on strength like he is i think that's one area we're really going to see improve with basely um so he's kind of one of those players that just like shows um, untapped potential just about everywhere uh, handling the ball i didn't even mention that like we saw basely play point guard literally this past season uh and bring the ball up and facilitate he can do all of it but he's not yet to the point where he is one thing exceptional or one thing stands out maybe above the other. Um, so because of that, you know, I, I can't put Baisley above some of these other guys, even one player that we haven't even seen play yet, which uh, I'll get into, but because of what he's already shown, the flashes, the physical tools, um, the experience he already has at such a young age. I mean, again, one thing with Baisley we keep talking about is uh, a player who didn't go to college, right? He, he did the new balance internship, the infamous internship, um, he comes plays for the Thunder his rookie year, gets disrupted by COVID. He basically has a like what you would call an off season <laughs> in between the uh, halfway point of the or a little past the halfway point of the season, and then the bubble shortened off season. This past off season, he's thrown into this season with an expanded role in a rebuilding team, and now this season or this off season, it's another shortened off season. So Basley really hasn't had a a normal what you would call an NBA experience, and so that has to be taken into consideration as well. Um, I think he's done a pretty good job given. Um, taking all of that into consideration. So uh, basically at six, favors at five. I'll get through this one pretty quickly. We all know the kind of player that favors is. This is a player that a lot of contenders are going to be uh, coming after, I think, come to trade deadline, um, especially favors can stay healthy, which I not going to would assume he will be able to um, because A, they know the Thunder are wanting to probably get off of him um, and B, get off of his contract and B, um, he's going to be able to contribute for a, a lot of contenders um, for fairly cheap. <laughs> and so because of all of that, um, I have favors at five, four. This is the player that the, the last rookie, the player that we haven't seen play yet, but it has such a high ceiling. I had to put him here, Josh Giddy. I think his trade value is uh, willing of uh, this fourth overall ranking because I mean, like 
he went six overall in the NBA draft in a very, very talented stacked NBA draft. You could say that's just the thunder, but that's not the case. Um, there's plenty of reports out there already that the Warriors would take him at seven, or at least were highly, highly considering taking him at seven if the thunder passed on him. So um, because of that, again, his intangibles or, or and his tangibles, <laughs> uh, we're talking about a high IQ, um, super long, tall, um, almost seven foot <laughs> uh, point guard who can handle the ball. But I think he's going to be a wing in the NBA. We've talked a lot about that. Obviously, he needs to work on his shooting, his outside shooting and stroke and form just in general, um, his balance. But he already has the strength. Um, like I said, he has the length and the versatility and the basketball IQ and playmaking just seems to be off the charts. Can't wait to see how that translates at the next level. So uh, taking all that into consideration, Josh Giddy at four for me. And now we're in the top three. Uh, this is a player uh, that probably should have just his own tier right here. Um, these these last three probably should have their own tiers. So we'll just go ahead and break them down all together. Lou Dort at three. Um, I mean, you guys know how much I love Lou. We saw him have that stretch. See if I can find, I had that screenshot somewhere. Great podcasting. Um, oh, here it is. Okay, so Lou Dort's last three games, this was in, uh, a stretch in April. He had 29 points, four rebounds, two assists. He had 26 points, six rebounds, two assists. And in that monster game against the Jazz, 42 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Um, this is obviously on the offensive end. Uh, we, we talked about, oh, th this is a fun stat. Dor is the fifth undrafted player in the last 30 years to score 40 plus points in a game, joining Damian Wilkins, CJ Watson, Amo, former Thunder player and current Thunder staffer, um, and Fred Van Vliet of the Raptors. Uh, he was also the second player in Thunder franchise history, scored 40 plus points in a game and was the youngest player in franchise history with 40 points and four steals. That one was a little cherry picked. Look, Lou Dort is a, uh, he's such a fun player. We, we remember that game seven, uh, right? Where, um, <laughs> where against the Rockets in the bubble, we saw what he did last season with again, an expanded role, just like Baisley that second half of the season with a player like Shea out. He proved he's much more versatile. Um, he, he's his game is is I think much more than just confined to a three and D kind of player. He's going to have a more defined role this season um, on this young Thunder team, and, and I think in a season where we are going to see Shea knock on wood, forbidding uh, any injury, we're going to see Shea play a full season. Uh, we're we're not going to see players necessarily being set at least until like much closer to the end of the season this time around. Um, and because of that, I think Lou is going to have a little more refined of a role. This is actually also something Jacob and I talked about on Wednesday, and I thought we had a really good conversation there. When you're breaking down, you know, some of these players and what we expected them to score, even some of these rookies, like you're bringing in some of these new players, and there's not going to be as many shots to go around for Lou. So we might not see a 40-point game again from him this season, but I think what we are going to see is a more refined Lou. Uh, we're going to see him continue to handle the ball some and drive to the rim. Hopefully he can be more efficient around the rim. That'd be huge for his game. Um, and then a little more efficient from the three-point line as well. Um, I know his three-point percentages weren't great, but again, you have to take into consideration the role he was taking the green light that he had this past season. If he can be more efficient with uh, a little limited more attempts from three, I think this coming season, we're talking about a great offensive player. And then look, I haven't mentioned the defense yet because there's not much that needs to be said. We saw what he did against some of the best players in the league his first two years in the league. Um, he's going to continue to get bigger and better on that end of the floor. We saw him working out this offseason. We saw those pictures of him just shredded. Um, he's a big, big, strong dude. Um, so if he can get quicker, too, it looks like he has shed maybe some fat 
uh, if that's even possible while still maintaining that bulk. Um, a lot to like about Lou and obviously a lot of trade value, I think, for a player like Lou Dort, um, who would be a playoff rotation piece to say the least, but probably a starter uh, for a lot of teams in this in this league. So my last two, next, we got to talk about Thunder fan favorite and NBA fan favorite, to be completely honest, until he starts uh, torching teams here in the coming seasons. Alexei Pokushevsky, Poku, um, just, again, this is all ceiling. Uh, we saw the flashes this past season. We saw his, his uh, basketball IQ, um, some of the reads he's able to make, the way he's able to use. I think the biggest thing is, you know, you see players that just, you, you know, we talk about untapped potential and never being able to truly find it, put it all together. And a lot of that is due, I think, to them not using uh, those kind of players, not being able to use their physical gifts and strengths to their advantage. Poku is one of those players who does. That's something that we saw um, a lot of last season, especially in that latter half of the season. I keep talking about that. Gave some of these players like Poku, Lou, Baisley, a bigger stage to perform and an opportunity to expand their game. But we're seeing Poku just make unreal passes, being able to manipulate his body um, using his super, you know, ridiculous seven foot, whatever long, uh, wingspan <laughs> to be able to wrap around defenders and, and find open shooters in the corner to uh, knocking down threes. Um, Poku shot, speaking of threes, Poku needs to work on that shot and he needs to refine that shooting motion. Um, we talked a little bit about this on Sunday's podcast as well, right? But he, he obviously needs to get a higher release. Um, I made the comparison, not as a player, I just mean from a scoring shooting standpoint, really just a shooting standpoint, not even scoring, but the comparison to Kevin Durant. Watching Kevin Durant um, continue to expand his 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 range and, and just refine his shooting motion uh, when he was young here in OKC, um, getting that release above his head, using that wingspan, there wasn't a player, and there still isn't a player in the league, really, other than maybe Giannis <laughs> that, that we saw uh, that, that can block Kevin Durant. There's very few players. Poku is the same way, right? But not right now because he's he's shooting like line drives. He, he has such a, a flat release. He's got to be able to get that release higher, preferably above his head, because he'll be able to basically get a three-point shot off or even a jumper off whenever he wants. Um, he does have a pretty nice uh, floater. And obviously, we I, I love watching him manipulate his way with those long arms, getting to the rim, being able to finish, I think is great. Um, and the playmaking is awesome as well. But the biggest thing is Poku's strength. You know, he is <laughs> he's scrawny. And he's going to have to be able to put on some, some size and strength to be able to guard some of these uh, NBA players that he'll be playing against, especially um, if he does continue to progress on the offensive end. And that's a player that the Thunder do want to play, kind of like playoff contention. You know, uh, in however many seasons, Poke is going to be able or is going to have to be able to put on size and strength to be able to guard um, some of these other players in those kind of situations. All right. Number one, obviously, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Not much needs to uh, needs to be said about Shea. Just um, already a rising star in the NBA. Um, arguably should have been all star last season. Um, it might be hard for him this season just with the team that he's going to be on but I think he will be deserving um, of, of that nod. Just a super talented player. Speaking of versatility, um, for example, like these past couple of seasons, I think he's played, uh, basketball reference has the majority of his minutes played, quote-unquote, with a small forward. Obviously, he's a lead ball handler. He's the point guard. He's a, he's a facilitator, but it just shows you the kind of players that you can play alongside Shea. The reason the Thunder are able to um, kind of implement this versatile style of play is because, 
they can do so with a star, a foundation building block in Shea Gillis Alexander. And uh, the leap that we saw him take last season was stellar. Uh, it was really unfortunate that he did get hurt there because it would have been more fun. Or sorry, it would have been super fun to continue to watch him play, although maybe not so great for our draft positioning. But that's what I'm really excited about this season is you don't have the George Hills and the Horfers to start the season. Um, you can just kind of unleash Shea. He will be the, the main focal point um, of this offense this season. I just can't wait to see the leaps that he continues to take. Um, I think back, I believe it was uh, Brett Dawson who did this article when uh, Shea came to OKC in the Paul George trade, but talking about how Shea's made a leap um, every single point in his career from his time in Kentucky, or from high school, being a not super high recruit, and then getting recruited by Kentucky, going to Kentucky, uh, kind of struggling some there early on, and then being a main focal piece for them. Um, and then in CAA tournament, obviously his rookie season with the Clippers, uh, we all know the rest is history, and we saw the biggest leap of all this past offseason. We know Shea's been in the gym working on his body, getting bigger and stronger. Um, he posted clips today. I mean, again, you can only take so much. You, you can't take anything. <laughs> you can't take anything from open gym videos or or off-season workouts. But um, I just can't wait to see the, the leaps that Shea's made. I'm not even going to dive into stats because we've gone a little long here. So We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Those are my Thunder rankings based off trade value right now. Like I said, the other teams, GMs, front offices, et cetera, uh, how I think they they basically view these players. I guess another point on Shea is like, you know, if he was hypothetically offered for the first overall pick, like that's just kind of caliber player he is. Um, so yeah, those are, those are my picks. You guys feel free. I, there's been a lot of comments here in the chat. I appreciate that. Um, feel free to tweet me because I'm the only one on the podcast. I can take all the heat, I guess, <laughs> for my awful rankings. Um, and hopefully uh, some of the guys will listen back to this podcast and, and, and we can get them on and, and they can debate with me some, like I said, maybe the preseason predictions. So really quick, kind of to, to round this one out, there was some news that dropped here um, yesterday. And it, it, I guess it was just yesterday and some of the day before. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of chatter about Ben Simmons ever since the end of the playoffs. And... Uh, ben Simmons officially, uh, according to uh, Keith Pompey, I believe. Um, I can't remember. Where he, I can't remember where he's at. I don't have any of this pulled up. This is off the top of my head. Um, he uh, Ben Simmons officially met. Sorry, I'm reading some of these comments in the chat. Um, ben Simmons met with with Sixers uh, personnel, uh, Daryl Morey, their um, uh, their owner, somebody else too. Basically, officially demanded a trade 
um, from the 76ers said that he wasn't going to report. He was with Rich Paul, uh, his his agent, um, and, and say that he wouldn't be showing up to training camp. Then today we get the whole like Joel Embiid going crazy on Twitter, talking about how uh, he loves Ben, was playing with them, and they could have done it. But then or they, they, they could have played together and continued to play together. But then also mentioning like, he can handle the criticism. Some people can't, you know, kind of throw, maybe throwing Ben Simmons under the bus. He has have to go look those up. Uh, and then maybe the most interesting of all of this, like, look, the, the trade demand wasn't that surprising, but then there was another report and I don't remember this guy's name. He, I believe he's a local sports reporter, but he's broke some Sixers news before he's gained some repu- reputability. Um, but a, a, he mentioned Tyrese Maxey also represented by clutch sports and, um, and Rich Paul and how Rich apparently didn't want Maxi to play for the Sixers. And uh, Maxi had some deals lined up with some local brands and whatnot. And basically Rich Paul called those, those brands and companies and told them uh, they weren't going to pursue negotiations any further or sponsorships for Maxi because he might be on his way out and you know, whatever, yada, yada, yada. That seems crazy to me. Uh, obviously the, the news came out as well. It's been a big couple of weeks for, for Rich Paul and Nerland Snow suing him, um, saying that he basically um, kind of screwed him in negotiations and over the, the years with um, his free agency and, and negotiating with teams. Um, and this kind of would lend, you know, some credibility to that if Rich Paul is basically using Maxi as a, a negotiation piece, a negotiation chip in, uh, in the Ben Simmons saga. So, I don't know that, that doesn't really set well with me unless Maxi truly does one out or if Rich Paul's like, look, I don't like how the Sixers and this organization handles their players. I don't like how they've, they've negotiated with me. I don't feel this is the best place. I, this isn't a kind of player or a uh, organization that I want somebody like tight, like, you know, my client, like Tyrese Maxi to play in, but regardless, just a lot of craziness going on there. Um, but I'll get off my soapbox of with the Tyrese Maxi situation because this is all about Ben Simmons, right? Obviously a lot of trade talk there. There's been rumors that he potentially wants to go to one of the California teams. Uh, I think the California teams being both LA teams, obviously golden state, obviously, and Sacramento has been linked to him as well. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Toronto this off season, trying to negotiate with Maury and trying to get Ben Simmons on their team, which is hilarious um, because they already have, I, there's, already you know there's not so many ben simmons <laughs> in the league um but they do kind of have that kind of stereotype they have a lot of, like scotty barnes for example um pascal siakam and throwing ben simmons in there kind of seems redundant but whatever kind of funny um and, and would be fun to watch um and i'm trying to think there oh the cleveland cavaliers apparently have kind of kicked the tires on a ben simmons trade but that's all kind of boring there you guys can go online you can see all the uh, all the latest rumors and like Sacramento not being interested in throwing in Fox and, and Tyrese Halliburton, all of that stuff. So what I try to do going through some, some Ben Simmons trade is, is I try to come up with teams that haven't been linked to him yet. Um, and this is one of those situations, right? Where Maury has a super high asking price. Um, teams aren't willing to budge because they want to see it get ugly. And so hopefully they can get him a, on a discount. Uh, those who have been linked are waiting out, right? Linked to Ben Simmons are waiting out hoping to be able to trade for him. And so this is a situation where I could see kind of a mystery team, a random team coming out of nowhere, kind of like, um, for example, OKC in the Paul George situation. 
coming in and kind of swooping in at the last minute, surprising everybody and trading for Paul George. I can see a situation where this happens with Ben Simmons. So because of that, I have three trades here that I want to go through that I think would be fun, kind of crazy, can make some sense for Ben Simmons. The first one, and this one's a little far-fetched just because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, just because uh, they're in the same conference, but the Indiana Pacers. Ben Simmons seems like the kind of player for the Pacers, um, or the kind of player that the Pacers would love to have on their team. Um, they're kind of a team that have been stuck in limbo for a while. They don't necessarily have a bona fide superstar, although they do have some all-stars on their team. Um, and I think Ben Simmons could fit great alongside a player like Ace Bonus, um, alongside Karis LeVert, players of that nature. So what a trade could look like there, just kind of playing around with it. You know, we, we know that the Sixers probably would want a point guard in return, um, some assets as well. Um, I was thinking like, and you have to make salary match as well. You know, Ben Simmons making $33 million this season. So Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy, I threw Jeremy Lamb in there for salary matching purposes. You probably would also have to throw in another young prospect in there as well. And then obviously a handful of first round picks, maybe a second round pick or two and some pick swap options. But, you know, whatever that that um, pick package looks like, Jeremy Lamb, Malcolm Brogdon, and maybe another young piece for Ben Simmons. That's an interesting one to me just because I like that fit for Ben. Um, I, I'd love to watch Ben and Sabonis together. I think that could be a ton of fun. And I think that would make the make the um, Pacers a super fun team. Again, just pretty unlikely because of the conference that those players play in. Or excuse me, that those teams are on. Um, one other one. Another team that I just thought would be fun. Now in this situation... Uh, this team, or sorry, this trade wouldn't be able to go through until the end of September, May, yeah, end of September, because um, it involves a rookie that was drafted, as well as a a a, uh, a Thunder, or, sorry, a player that Thunder fans would be very familiar with, who was recently traded, and so because of that, he has a trade restriction and couldn't be traded until the end of September. Um, and I'm talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. Talk about a fun team. Now, look, maybe that's not smart. That's a team that sh should be more patient. Um, and, and try and find more young talent probably to surround Jaw with, which they have been doing. Um, I have really liked that. But like the moves they made this offseason in terms of trades were a little head-scratching to me. Um, and obviously I'm talking about Steven Adams and, and that whole trade. And also if Jaw continues to improve and shows that he's one of the best young prospects in the league, maybe you do want to kind of swing for the fences here a little bit and surround him with more talent. So assuming this trade happens after, or you know, sometime in October, once these, these players are trade eligible, some combination of like a Steven Adams for ma salary matching. Obviously, this would probably involve a third team because the Sixers already have so many centers and bigs. <laughs> but let's say Steven Adams, Dylan Brooks, that would give them a, a ball handler um, in return for Ben Simmons. And then throw in a young, promising player with a high ceiling, such as like a Zaire Williams that they just drafted. I mentioned the rookie. That's him, Zaire. Um, and then obviously, like I said, a, a pick package. That's a fun one I've been thinking about. Uh, just a fun fit watching Ben and Jaw together. Um, you throw Triple J in there. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that could be a lot of fun as well. Just kind of another oddball team. And then my third one, my third team, the third trade I came up with. This one's been talked about a little bit just among NBA amongst NBA fans. But I think Ben Simmons and San, San Antonio might be the best fit of all. Um, I think he just would be great. Alongside Coach Popovich, I know one of their assistant coaches, um, 
He's known for being real. I can't remember his name. Known for being a really good shooting coach. I believe he has some sort of connection potentially to Ben Simmons, Australia. Um, I just think Ben would be a lot of fun there. So they just got Thad Young. They could trade Thad Young and basically one of like the young guards of their choice, Derek White, maybe Murray, whichever one that the Sixers would prefer. Um, there's been rumors that the, the Spurs are open to trading one of those players. So in this situation, I have Thad Young, Derek White, um, and then again, probably another young promising prospect um, and a large handful of draft picks, draft swaps, or Ben Simmons. Another trade that wouldn't be able to take place until after the 1st of October, um, October 2nd to be exact. But uh, I think that's another fun fit as well. So those are just kind of some fun ones I came up with. Again, feel free to tweet at me and uh, tell me how stupid I am and how none of those make sense. Um, that's fair. I probably deserve them. But yeah, so those are kind of some some oddball ones I came up with that aren't necessarily being talked about um, or beat to death like Sacramento and um, you know Portland waiting for Dame to become available, all that nonsense. So I think that is all I have for tonight. I went kind of long in the Thunder segment. Hopefully you guys don't mind listening to me rant. Um, really quick, I'm just going to go through the stream and shout everybody out, uh, answer any questions I didn't get to. <clears throat> Jackson McElwee. What's up? What's up, Jackson? Appreciate you tuning in. Matt Clarkson, um, I already mentioned him. He asked about Justin. Um, Nate Sanders says, props for doing the solo. Thank you, Nate. Um, again, some people maybe don't have enough to talk about when they're going solo. I'm one of those people who just kind of uh, go on rants. Uh, so hopefully you guys don't mind that, but I appreciate the shout out. He says that he feels like OKC would really like Ben, him being a tall playmaker. Nate just doesn't think the Sixers would want a bunch of picks. So I actually disagree with you in terms of the Sixers not wanting a bunch of picks because, again, this isn't a secret. Uh, I'm just saying what we all have heard and read. The Sixers want a Ben Simmons, Bradley Bill caliber player when that player becomes available. And one way to get that is the currency of the NBA, draft picks. So if the Thunder were to offer uh, an offer um, that the Sixers could potentially use to go and get a player when, like a Dame Lillard when that player becomes available – um, I, I think the Sixers would be open to getting a bunch of draft picks and draft swaps in that situation, apparently, or especially with a team like the Thunder, who their own draft picks are so valuable right now because they'll be picking very high. I just don't see the Thunder taking that kind of swing right now. It does not make a ton of sense unless you're getting Ben on a discount, right? And uh, because of that, I, I don't think it'll happen. But I, I do think uh, more would be interested um, and a bunch of draft picks. That way he could go and get a player like a Bill or a Lillard. Um, let's see. Yeah, Nate said that the situation with Deck makes no sense. We talked a little bit about that. Matt Clarkson had a question. Is there much demand for guys who shoot with their feet touching, <laughs> a.k.a. Deck? Yeah, that's the other thing. I mentioned him not being a great shooter. Uh, that shooting motion needs work for sure. Uh, Romel Ominga says he loves the show, guys. Thank you, Romel. Shout out to you and appreciate you tuning in. Um, yeah, Nate Sanders reiterated that Vicini hated Trey Man and the Wash. Uh, the Wash was in here and, and brought up a lot of good uh, comments. We were going through some of these uh, rankings. Um, he agreed. He says Mike is the new Mr. Thunder. I love it. He's going all in. Um, let's see, trying to, uh, there was a couple more questions I'm trying to get to. Um, oh, this is kind of hot and spicy. I like it. Matt, Matt Clarkson said, Dagon doesn't have positions, uh, in, in terms of his style of play. Giddy could play some five. 
I that's super interesting. I will say one thing that Jake and I talked about last Wednesday and the uh the deleted paw that you guys I guess will never that's just floating out there in the in limbo that you guys will never get to hear. Talking about some lineups and specifically a lineup of Shea, Lou, Poku, um, Giddy, Baisley. Like that's going to be probably the most fun, talented lineup of that entire Thunder team this season. And I can't wait to see that. Um, the watch does have a question. This is one of the ones I was looking for. Who will score consistently alongside Shea this season? Um, Lou, obviously, um, probably Giddy, but I think Baisley is another candidate to to score. And maybe that's a little bit unpopular, but I think he will um he will be doing a lot of scoring. I shouldn't say a lot. He'll be doing consistent scoring to to your question specifically. Uh, alongside Shea. But again, there's going to, I, we're going to see that change a lot this season. Like we saw last season, there's going to be guys like a Trey man will go for 20 points one game and a Ty Jerome will, will go for 20 points the next. I don't think there's going to be a ton of consistency there, but in terms of consistency, I think Lou Baisley um, and honestly, Poku, I, I think you should throw out there as well, just based off of the uh, opportunity. Uh, Joshua Martinez has a very funny question. I won't mention on the podcast, but uh, it, it gave me a chuckle and I appreciate it. Uh, let's see the wash and, uh, Joshua, uh, chimed in on this question. Will SGA really be the future of OKC? He is so much better than the current roster. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really do think that he will be long-term, but I, I think there are players like I mentioned Poku. There's a reason I had him ranked number two in this exercise earlier in the podcast. Um, I think he's one to keep in mind. Um, even if Lou's not a star for this, this team moving forward, um, I, I think you have to. Um, think of him as a part of the future, at least. And then some of these young players. I mean, I think Giddy's the most obvious one, but maybe it is a Trey Man or a JRE that's along a for the ride for the long term with this Thunder squad. Um, but they are still looking for that star, and I expect them to have that star to play along Shea um, and, and to put the Thunder back into playoff and championship contender uh, contention for an ex- extended period of time. Um, and I think they're going to get that kind of player through the draft Hopefully, if everything goes right, this coming one, maybe in the one after. And then finally, the wash. Can OKC trade Ben for picks and trade him back to get <laughs> to get consistent play? Oh, to get a consistent player. Uh, no, you can't trade him back. Just based off CBA rules, you can't trade them back to the same team. Um, but like to your point, you could wait um, until the offseason, yes, and then trade him again to another team. You absolutely could do that. I try and uh, uh, kind of. Uh, get his value back <laughs> to a, a reasonable spot, uh, raise his value again uh, the second half of the season, and then try and flip him in the offseason. That's certainly an option. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all I got. Appreciate you all tuning into the chat. Appreciate you all tuning into the podcast. Thank you again for tuning into the Uncontested. Be sure to go and rate us. Uh, give us a five star rating on whatever uh, platform you listen to your podcast on. Um, we will have you guys covered again. Um, Friday, we'll probably do like some sort of hangout whether that be green room or twitter spaces uh, we'll, we'll figure that out we'll have our weekly podcast on sunday uh recording live dropping late sunday uh, our monday podcast and then yeah we're getting closer and closer to a regular season stay tuned have a lot of fun stuff planned uh, really excited about this upcoming season and some of the content that we have for you all so stay tuned for that and as always thunder up